Well, hello there, friend. It's been a little bit uh, after a little break, a little hiatus, a little mental health reset for the month of August. We're back with some new episodes of the Life in Red podcast, and it's episode 118 as we kick off September and uh, into more episodes coming at you. Uh, you can find us, Life in Red podcast, uh, on Instagram and Facebook, Life in Red pod on Twitter, and lifeinredpodcast.com. My guest today, we have heard a lot of stories about how the pandemic has affected us, and now we're, you know, 18, 19 months into it. And I think aside from healthcare workers and nurses uh, and, and doctors and people who work in the hospitals and long-term care, I think the group of people who may have had the most difficulties with this pandemic is teachers, kids and families and parents especially as well, uh, but, but teachers. And you don't really hear the side of what teachers are going through um, and especially speaking about what's going on here in Canada and Ontario and the controversy about do you know schools stay open or do the kids continue learning from home it's it's a very kind of complicated and heated subject because there's a lot of strong opinions and we get into stuff like that we get into a whole bunch of stuff about teaching during a pandemic including you know what last march was like in the transition how teaching from home has worked and we talk about the mental health of teachers, kids going back to school and what to expect. And, you know, is learning from home and this this thing that's being quoted as learning loss, which both me and my guests don't agree necessarily that it's learning loss. Um, how is that going to affect kids and people moving forward as they move on to their lives? Is there going to be a delay? Are they going to suffer the impacts as they you know go into university and college when they're older? We get into all of that. It's a really great episode, and I'm so happy to be back. So please give it up for the teacher, my guest, Mrs. Mott. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, we were joking about this before I hit record, but I'm so accustomed to when talking to teachers, calling them Mrs. or Mr. or, you know, ma'am or sir. So Mrs. Mott, Leslie, thank you so much for joining me. It's great to be here. Um, and completely going full circle because you know my parents and I know my parents. uncle and yeah. my family and my late grandmother. So um, yeah. Yeah. funny how it all, it all <laughs> comes to this and just a meeting on Twitter. Mm-hmm. My grandpa married your grandparents. No. Yeah. My grandfather was a minister in Kempville and he married your, uh, mater- uh, for, for, no, paternal, uh, parents. Yeah. That is okay. Wow. Yeah. I think he <laughs> made it baptized Rob. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> We are very deeply connected. Yeah. You don't well, realize what we are. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Kempville, a small town, just like where I'm yeah. from. So um, yeah. you are a teacher, which uh, you're my first teacher on the podcast. So congratulations on that milestone. <laughs> uh, how long have you been teaching and, and what do you mainly teach? Okay. So I've been uh, a teacher for 25 years. Um, I've taught all the grades to grade six and I currently teach grade four and five. 
Interesting. Do you have a favorite grade? I always have like wondered because like kids are kids are kids, right? So like, is there like a really good grade where like I love teaching this right this now? Age? It's the one I'm in. It's always the one you're in. I think it's it, okay. when I had little kids, I adored them. And then when I was going to teach junior, I was very anxious. And then I'm teaching 10 year olds. I love them. I think it's whatever, whatever grade you're in is the best. So right now I will say grade four and five, definitely the best. Really? Yeah. So I always remember grade four was a big year because that was 20 years ago this year. And I mm-hmm. always remember that because that was the year 9-11 happened. Yeah. Um, so that's when I was in grade four, but I just remember that year. That seems to be like one of the most formative years of my life where like, I, I'm very cognizant of everything from that point moving forward mm-hmm. with the rest mm-hmm. of it. And it's sort of the know. beginning of independence for kids yeah. the beginning of the, we're not teaching you everything. Now we're starting to learn with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's interesting. So mm-hmm. the reason I wanted to have you on mainly is, um, and we were talking about this, the pandemic has been, I think so difficult for children of all ages in schools. And we've been hearing about, you know, the struggle of parents, rightly so the, the struggles of students and kids. And, but I haven't heard anything about one, how it's all been for teachers. And the second impact is the mental health of teachers. Cause you know, mental health is the big thing I'm worried about. So I guess we'll start off. I mean, how has it been for you? Um, for good, for bad. Um, Just tell me a little bit about your experience teaching in a pandemic. Okay. So I I will say that I feel pretty lucky. I have a lot of things in my, in working in my favor. So I'm in the country, so I have Mm. lots of space. My kids are older, so they're not needing as much supervision. So when we were all at home, I know I have colleagues who had little kids and that was really, really hard. Um, I didn't experience that. Um, I I've had, I have a small community school I work in and a wonderful supportive, you know, community. So everything working for me, but yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. It's hard to, um, switch gears quickly. It is hard to process a really stressful situation at the same time as completely changing how you do your job. That's, Mm. I think that's something many people have experienced, but I would say that's true for us, but there aren't, you know, there are other professions where it's all about the connection with another individual, but teaching is specifically about connection with little people. And, and it is really tough to do on a screen. Um, It's not, it's such a big piece of our job to be connected socially. And the pandemic, I think is, I think the root of the, of the challenge of the pandemic is not being able to connect. And especially when in some classrooms, students were, some online classrooms, for example, students weren't showing up on camera or anything. And you're talking to a bunch of, you know, names or emojis. And I'm all about looking and seeing if everybody's doing okay and monitoring their faces and all that. And none of that exists when you're teaching online. So um, I feel very lucky that I didn't have to do the whole thing online. I know I have friends who taught online the whole time. And I think that is horrifyingly hard horrifyingly hard um i i'm i'm still struggling to teach with a mask and a plastic visor and all Mm. that stuff but i cannot wait to have little faces in front of me even if it's eyeballs it's okay i'm really excited to have actual people around me um there have been some definite periods where i found it very challenging um i would say that uh we are and empathetic people teachers and so when our kids are struggling on the screen 
Like it really wears on us and we can't help them the way we could at school. There's not the same one-to-one -one contact that you can have. Um, I could just go on and on. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's been a struggle. I, I do feel really lucky. I think I've done really well through a lot of it. There have been some very tough days, some mm -hmm. very tough days. I, I, um, it's hard. It's hard. And I've seen some colleagues really struggle, particularly those that were online all the time. Like that's, that's not what we're here for. That's not, that's not what we do. Yeah. I've heard stories about that more so in like university professors, but mm, just that, mm. like, you feel like you're talking to a blank screen because you know, no one has their camera on and you're, you're just going on and you're like, are people even there? Are they listening? And I mean, even I'm an, I'm an adult and I don't know if you think the same, but sometimes when I'm on meetings, it's very hard to pay attention to the screen when someone's <laughs> like talking and, you know, you maybe you're in breakout rooms or something and it's just kind of yeah. like, I'm just going to go, what's on my phone? Let me check. You know, like, so for me, even my job, which I get paid to do, sometimes you're like, oh my goodness, okay, this is a little bit difficult. And I just, I mean, I haven't experienced it. I don't have kids and I've never sat with my siblings when they've been doing it. Um, I could only just imagine being a kid and just not, you know, being able to, to separate now your fun on the computer and paying attention and screen time all the time, yeah. you know, just what a insurmountable challenge it must seem like. It's it, yeah, it is super, super hard. I will say that when you're in a classroom, I'm not performing at the front all the time. I mean, I remember as a kid, the teacher being at the front and us being in the desks and that's what a classroom looked like. And until, um, until COVID, like you can see, I've got desks and rows behind me. That's a purely health safety issue. That's not how kids learn. My classrooms never had desks. My classrooms never look like this. My classroom looks like somebody's living room or like a Starbucks or something. It's like all mm. little bistro tables and couches and things because I want the kids to be comfortable and collaborative and spending time together. And this is, you know, apparently the most safe way for them to be. But for them to assume that they're all supposed to look at, up at the front of the room and someone is delivering content, that's not what school is and it shouldn't be. And on a computer, similar dynamic, right? Like um, I'm the big face on the screen or, or the thing I'm showing and I'm supposed to engage for about two hours in that way. And that's not good for anybody. Like that's not how, how people learn. So certainly I had to figure out how to create an engaging environment where kids are participating, recognizing they're in their house, there's lots of distractions, there's privacy issues. Um, my students were great about having their cameras on, but sometimes, you know, it's it's in somebody's house, things are going to happen that shouldn't on camera, and that makes everyone uncomfortable. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, you almost, <laughs> there's a, there's a, how do you win, right? Like there's no, and that's the same problem in terms of families in that typically I don't have a whole lot of moms and dads observing in the classroom, and not that I don't welcome people into my room, but if you catch an off minute, that's not who somebody is all day long. So if they happen to walk by as I'm not on the top of my game, I certainly don't want someone thinking that's who mm. I am as a teacher, right? So, right. so without fail, the moment where your dog is sick or your um, kids are screaming or whatever is the moment that people catch. And that's awkward and uncomfortable, but not insurmountable, right? Like it's okay. These are not insurmountable problems, but it's stressful. <laughs> it's stressful. The line is very blurry right now. Yeah, no, I can, you know, you've heard the horror stories of people walking in the background, like 
you know, naked or something. And, yes, yes. I Didn't mean, have that. And, Didn't have that. And one of the biggest things you, you, I think a lot of us forget, and especially as kids, and I was like this as a kid, to yes. remember that your teacher is also a human being, like with real things, with families or children yeah. or animals, yeah. uh, with their own struggles, with, you know, yeah. maybe, I mean, things you can't control with technology and, yeah. you know, like the internet going in and out or something. It's, sure. it's, it's hard to remember that uh, because, yeah. you know, it's, you're kind of on that, like that pedestal there as, as a child. When this all first happened, we're going back, I mean, 18 months ago, whatever it is yeah. now, it seems yeah. like an eon. It does. What was that initial challenge like? So we, we get the news, things are closing, schools are getting closed. I mean, take me through that process because that, I, I just couldn't imagine, it was turbulent for me and I was just transitioning to working from home. Where yeah. like I pretty much am doing the same things. I'm just in a different environment. But for you, for your yeah. colleagues, how difficult was that? How how much did you know? How much work went into that to trying to make that happen and oh. not knowing what's coming up next? You know what? Enormous, enormous. Because we we didn't know what was coming. We did not know, and we um, we were not even physically ready to teach online, right? Like we mm-hmm. left and I mean, who has a space in their house set up? Who has the computer, the microphone, the, all the gear. But aside from that, um, I don't deliver my program on a computer. I deliver my program to kids who are, you know, nine and 10 years old. So there's a lot of hands-on materials. If you look around the room, like there's like robotics and picture books and, you know, and none of that translates. So first, what am I going to give them for programming? Like it, no one handed any of it to us. Like I, this is the big thing is the communication to parents about what we were doing. Um, I don't think, you know, the government would say things like, um, you know, the parent, uh, uh, teachers will be pivoting and I'm wearing my pivot, <laughs> pivot shirt intentionally. <laughs> it's kind of a joke because it's like, oh, pivoting, are we? Pivoting to online instruction and they have all the materials they need. And I'll tell you, that's not in fact what happens Mm. we're scrambling to create those materials like create those materials so um that's that's number one number two is as a teacher first we're exhausted it's the beginning of march break we're ready to take a little breather and instead you immediately go into fix it mode right you you have you have a problem you have no idea how to fix and you've got to create a solution immediately, but they wanted us to have enough time to do it. So they turned around and said, we're not going to actually start anything for three weeks. And immediately we started hearing messages in the media that the parent, that the teachers were getting a three week March break. Right. And it's like, there have been a lot of statements like that throughout this. And I need you to know that I've never worked so hard in my life as I've worked for the last year and a half. There was no vacation. There was no taking a break. There was emergency, very anxious preparing of the best quality program we could come up with that could be delivered like this. And it had to be accessible to kids at any time. We were told it wouldn't count for anything. Like the students weren't actually, you weren't allowed to, grades couldn't change because the kids, of course, shouldn't be punished for the fact that they're having their material delivered in a different way. But at the same time, where's the motivation if none of the material actually can be reported on or, you know, like there's no, Mm -hmm. it's hard to explain. Like we are supposed to deliver the best quality program we can, keeping in mind it doesn't actually matter. 
I remember my son was in grade uh, 12 for this, and he was told his mark going into the break is his mark unless he did something to improve it during the pandemic, but he couldn't drop, right? And you, you think a kid in grade 12 is already doing well. Why would they? Why would they? Yeah. Who, who doesn't go get a job or, you know, just, you know. Um, being a two teacher family, my kid worked very, <laughs> very hard at home because we weren't having any of that. Mm. But, um, but what's the motivation? Whereas for little kids, like we're really just trying to keep things normal and healthy and happy for them. But um, you're not, you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to report on it. You're not allowed to, which in many ways I agree with hundred percent, right? It wasn't a fair thing. It wasn't a but then why was the focus on academics throughout this whole thing? The focus should have always been on making kids feel safe, mm. feel safe by having adults that care about them, having a regular routine, but marks and grades and papers, that's not, that's not what they needed. So on that note, I will say that if you want to, you want a trigger word for a teacher right now, you say learning loss and you've got mm. a fight on your hands because there's no learning loss when you consider all the new skills these kids had to work to to develop to be able to receive a program online all the different ways of learning that we don't always do at school and we probably should but all the hands-on projects and things like cooking with kids and and talking about your pets and all that all the good learning that happened through those activities that can't happen in in this setting sometimes right mm -hmm. so i hear learning loss and it's like a slap you know we worked so hard to make sure our kids were learning lots of good things for the last year and a half and if anybody is worried or anxious about their kid coming back and being like behind or falling behind do not even give that a thought what we want is we want kids coming back and developing community and having friends and playing again and doing the things that school really should be doing well all the time and the pandemic has really made it super challenging to do right yeah that that word learning loss and when i was referencing that podcast um yeah the i wish i remembered the term because she she brought up the term learning loss but said she changed something else because you're right like in a traditional sense the way we view school and academics there would have been a loss in the progression of which we would have expected most kids to make based on learning lessons and education plan, all that stuff. But really, it's not lost. It has been kind of amended. I wish I remembered the, the correct term. I'll, I'll tweet back yeah. at you when I and be like, yeah. oh, that, this is what it was. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and even as an adult, I'm dealing with this. And I'm, I don't know if you are as well. But it's remembering that while, yes, education is still important. Yes, getting our jobs done is still important and, and contributing in a meaningful way at work um, and at school. But it's so important to remember that we are in the midst of a global pandemic, most of which that kids don't fully comprehend right. um, what really is happening. They, they might know there's a virus, people are getting sick, but in the grand scheme of scenes, what it all means. Yes, and to yes. expect that we're supposed to be able to uphold some sort of normal, quote unquote, mm -hmm. the way it was before this. I mm -hmm. mean, it just seems ridiculous that we're all supposed oh. to maintain this level of, of a productivity, I guess you could say, or progression. Well, and I think there, I think, is the gift. The gift is now we recognize we don't need to. And that was never that was never the important thing anyway. 
school isn't um, school isn't about delivery of content. It's not about um, you know uh, developmentally appropriate. It's not about any of that. School is about coming together, developing social skills, and solving problems, and finding out what your gifts are. And if we focus on that, there's no loss. If we focus on by grade four, you know, which is so arbitrary anyway right? The curriculum has done, the task of creating curriculum was to try to decide that by a certain age, here's about where a child is. And if you go to a pediatrician and they give you those, those benchmarks, um, even about physical development in that, it's, it's just a benchmark and it's a pointer. And if you see your kid missing a lot of them, you start to say, maybe this is something I should investigate. But you know what? Not everybody gets toilet trained at the same time. Not everybody, you know, um, eats the same. When, when your kids are little and you're not a parent yet. So I'll tell you that when you have little kids, it's a diabolical how much this preys on your mind that your child is not keeping up to mm -hmm. where they need to be, you know? Mm -hmm. And the thing is that we have to realize schools like that too, it's completely arbitrary to say that by grade five, a child will read this type of text. That doesn't determine their success in life. That doesn't determine their intelligence or their uh, worth. Um, and if we're, if we're continuing to create a system that tells kids that this is the benchmark and you didn't reach it, so therefore you're not gonna be successful, first of all, absolutely incorrect. I mean, I'm sure you know uh, people who did terribly at school and wonderfully at life, and it's not the same thing. And secondly, how do we make school so that it actually reflects uh, growth for every kid in the room? How do we create a system where kids walk into your room and they walk out richer and better and more filled up as opposed to emptied out by by education. And I think I have to say that we've been spending the last couple of days in training, and I'm really excited that at least, you know, in my setting, um, the, the information that's coming to us from our uh, school board is um, that every person has room for growth, that everybody meets goals at different times, and that all we are trying to do is help everyone make progress from wherever they're at. And mm. it's fine that we felt that way because none of us have, have uh, missed the experience of uh, being in school and feeling stupid. And mm -hmm. that's not the purpose of this institution. Right. This institution is meant to help you find your gifts. Mm. So until we start doing a better job of that, I'm not interested in learning loss. Like I'm not interested in benchmarks. Those those mean nothing to me until everybody in here feels like they know they have grown and gotten better at things in the time mm. they've been at school. Yeah, because I know people who did really well in school and aren't doing so well in life like they were straight a students no problem right. all the way into university and now you know mm -hmm. they, they haven't quite figured it out as in terms right of they were probably life. really good at compliance they were probably really good at um checking boxes you know but those aren't things that make you successful in life right mm -hmm. struggle and persistence and and um working on things like make you successful in life but straight a's don't do it Mm -hmm. When I, when I give like mental health talks or something to teens, I always like to reference that I was so terrible at math. I would get fifties. I had A's and almost everything else. But when it came to math, it was fifties. Like I just, I could not right. do it. Right. And, uh, you know, it just, I accepted that like I did what I had to do based on what school told me I had to do. But as soon as I filled that quota in grade 11, I was like, never yeah. again with cosine and I found stuff. that tricky too. I found that tricky too. Yeah, that was the that was where I tapped out too. And and I I would posit then that you are probably great at math and you probably weren't taught in a way that was good for you. 
Could that could very well be it. <laughs> you look surprised. A, you look surprised. Well, I don't I, I don't call I don't believe that there's math people and not math people. I don't believe that's how it works. I don't think you get a spoonful of this and you so you miss out on that. But I do think that different people need different things to be able to learn. And I also would query whether that particular kind of math is actually useful to you. I haven't used any of it <laughs> since. Um, I, nor have I. Not to say that for some it's not. I would never want to tell my high school colleagues they're not doing the right thing. But at the same time, I, I do think there's a whole lot of math in the world. And I have, this is the number one, eh, is parents come in and say, well, I'm not a math person either. And I just want to, oh, my legs went up. I just <laughs> want to call them on it because, um, uh, yeah, there's not people that are not math people. There are maybe people who have been subjected to some poor math teaching. Maybe it was, uh, it was the word problems. I could do all the arithmetic, but as soon as you right. made me get my own equation out of, of a word problem, right. Right. No right. Chance. I used to write poems or, or something. Uh, <laughs> and I bet you, and I bet you there was a ton of math in that. Like I, 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 I'd love to sit down with you and do some math because I bet you, <sighs> If it was in a story, if it made sense to you, if it was told in a way that spoke to your gifts, you would you would get math. I think for me, math's all stories. And as soon as I understand the story, I get the math. Computationally, less so. But formulas, never. I, I couldn't begin to. But if you tell me a story and I have to kind of figure out how to solve it and if numbers are involved, I'm there. Interesting. I'm the complete opposite, but I will it, tutor it, you after this session. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> math scares me. Um, <laughs> Don't be scared. <laughs> so, I I want to ask, and this is where the conversation gets a little bit trickier, but okay. um, we'll see what we can yeah. chat about. Um, yeah. The biggest thing I see, and we're both on Twitter. Um, yeah. The government has let kids down. That's the biggest thing I see um, right. with with parents, with journalists, with. Uh, you know, all sorts of things. And especially in particular, we where we are in Ontario. I can't speak for a lot of other jurisdictions, but speaking of Ontario specifically, do, you know, I'll ask it, we'll see what we can say. Yeah, do yeah. teachers feel that way that the government is letting students down in terms of safety, in terms of how they've handled the pandemic to letting kids be in school safely, Right. All that type of stuff. Like, is I it more on the government? Of, I think a lot of the important and tough choices have been made in a trickle-down way that I'm not entirely comfortable with. I, I think that the um, there will be a big statement of something like, every child will get an in-person graduation. And then we're left to figure out how safely to do that. And I am not going to make one of my kids sick. I am not going to be that person that risks um, my students to fulfill a mandate that somebody said on the TV. So I'm left to try to figure out how do I give and my kids are the leaving class of my school, right? So they're in grade five, and they go on to another school after this. So my kids would typically have a graduation ceremony here at my school. I'm just using this as one example. (laughs) So I hear the messaging that every kid's going to get an in person graduation, and I go into panic mode because I've been trying to plan the best, safest celebration of my kids for weeks. And this isn't even an academic issue, right? This is like, 99th on the list but for my kids well-being they need that transition they need that celebration they need to know they are loved and they're moving on to a to a a new place with us all in their court so they need that however 
we're not gathering. Like that's not happening. There's no way. And so, you know, here I am. Um, the team that works with my kids is like five people and we're sitting together going, um, okay, how, how does that look? And no one tells us and certainly no one funds us to do that. Mm. So I would say that um, parents should feel pretty good that they're sending their kids to safe schools because teachers make them safe. Teachers are meticulous about reading the protocols that the public health department tells us and following them in a way that supports our kids. But that doesn't mean that I like, if, if you look behind me, um, these desks are not like these, there will be students eating in these desks with masks off. Right. It's, it's not. um, So I have to figure out how to make that work, you know, without, without support in a way that keeps everyone safe, even though, like, this is the rule. This is what has to happen in my classroom, right? So do I feel the government let us down? Um, I think that if the government really wanted uh, schools to be successful, they would talk to teachers and they would talk to kids. And no one is talking to teachers and kids. I think they're talking to backers. I think they're talking to uh, public health for sure. But um, my my opinion on anything, and I'm, I'm frontline worker, mm-hmm. here it is. Um, my opinion's not been registered and it's not an opinion about things I don't know about. It's not about medical things. It's about what's good for my kids emotionally and socially and educationally. And no one's asking us, no one is asking us. So we get, we find out with you, right? We, we watch the press conference with you. We go, Oh, Oh, that's what we're doing. And our fantastic school board um, figures out how to make that work the best they can or then gets kicked later for not exactly following the mandates that have been told, you know, because we recognize uh, based on the best information from public health, that that's not actually going to work. So in that sense, yeah, I don't, I think that leadership is about leading, um, not about, uh, you know, um, making a suggestion and then waiting to see how it, how it all pans out, you know? So in that, yeah, yeah. I'm not feeling, I feel, I feel greatly supported by my employer. Mm. I, I don't necessarily think the province is working in my best interest as a as an employee. Cause that I was gonna ask and joking with that pivot shared is that's that's a thing I've also seen that whether whether it's schools and the school board or it has to do with restaurants and, and reopening out of lockdown, that everyone finds out at the same time. The government yeah. announces it to everybody, and then I have a friend who works for a municipality. And, and she was telling me, she's like, even us, like, we're finding out the same time as everyone else. And then they're like, we're opening tomorrow at midnight. And then all of a sudden, everyone has to scramble on this, yeah. this new yeah. way without any forewarning. And 100%. I'm like, how are you supposed to get it done like that? No, no. And the one that really gets me is when they announce something and then they um, change their mind. Right. So we had some math materials come out and there was a real focus on ensuring that they were culturally responsive materials mm. and that you know, they reflected the population. And then the next day it was like, oh, we, we took that out. You know, there was a, there was a, now I won't be able to say this properly, but there was a, um, I don't know if it was social studies or what, but there was going to be significant input from the First Nations, Métis and Inuit population to help make sure that we were 
um, appropriately representing our populations in our curriculum. And there were literally folks like driving there, this is pre-pandemic, driving there to, to have input and it got canceled. Like the whole, the whole program just got scrapped. Yeah, and it didn't happen. And now, now they're making up for lost time because of course now um, it's, it's, it's much more at the forefront. People are thinking about it. Oh yes, well, we'll definitely make sure those voices are heard. Yeah, but like that should have happened a long while ago. And, and you know what? I don't wanna be partisan about it. I don't wanna say it's, it's, it's particularly this government that's in place right now. I, I don't feel that it's my role as a teacher to be um, speaking politically about one party or another party, but I will say that um, it would be nice as an educator if, if educators were considered in educational decisions. You know, I feel certain that when they make decisions in healthcare, they consult medical professionals. Right. And I, I, I am a professional. I'm not a babysitter. I'm not a, and a babysitter is a professional, but mm -hmm. in my profession, I'm described lots of ways, but I, I am not often, you know, treated as someone who actually has expertise and skills and knowledge that could, could positively influence our province. Like, you know, every single <laughs> young person goes through a classroom and uh, there's a huge opportunity to be a positive influence on how our, even how our economy works. And uh, we're, we're not consulted, mm -hmm. you know, we're not part of well, the equation. Certainly so, with um, certain governments uh, throughout sure. the country, they, I, I found, and I'm, I'm kind of like, I guess a, a third party in this, I don't really have a, a, a vested interest politically or socially, but well, they make teachers out to be a villain in certain cases yeah. when they're talking about, you know, yeah. Um, I, I can't remember what the, I think there, there's a negotiation happening and basically throwing teachers under the bus. Yeah. And that sure. made them the villains in a lot of social circles. Yeah. So the fact that we are part of a union is definitely something that puts people off. And um, I also do think that it's as simple as we've all had a tough time at school. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we think of teachers, we think of that person a lot of the time. And we think about the, the wrongs that were done to us when we were kids. And um, I, 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 you know, it's, the, it's, a, it's a stereotype that doesn't, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm a parent in the school system and I've had my kids have great experiences and iffy experiences, mm -hmm. but I can tell you, I believe every educator I've met is really trying the best they are. They really are trying their best, you know, and it's not everyone's gifted in every area. But um, you come to education, you don't come here to get rich, you don't come to this, you can say what you want, we don't come into it for the summers, because we spend half our summer working anyway, we, we, we make a decent living, we all spend a ton of our, um, our, of our uh, money in our classrooms, I don't have a classroom budget, if you look around this room, um, aside from Chromebooks and desks, there's, there's not much in here that wasn't paid for by me. Um, and yet we're uh, it, it, it always surprises me how we're seen in such a negative light because uh, I, I spend a lot of my time with teachers. I'm married mm -hmm. to a teacher. I'm, I'm, uh, a lot of my friends are teachers. And you couldn't ask for a kinder, more caring bunch of people. Like, this is, this is a, these are good people. And uh, we get thrown off the bus a lot, a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And we're not negotiating right now. We're not looking for a pay raise. We're not, we're not, in the middle. I can understand why that throws people off. Um, and, and I get it, but uh, uh, especially I had a wonderfully supportive um, 
parent community in the last uh, last couple of years. But even even then, there's yeah, there's it, it's really hurtful. You're giving your all. You're giving a lot of your personal time. You are um, doing things for school when you should be spending time with your kids. Your ki own kids' schooling is suffering because you're working so hard on your classroom. And yeah, people are are people get angry at teachers a lot, and especially in the last year and a half. And the thing is, I think the thing we have to remember about everybody is none of us caused this, right? Nobody asked for this, not even our provincial government where we might stand on, they didn't make this happen, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not blaming anybody for the pandemic. Um, I feel like I get blamed a lot for when, you know, not not necessarily my, my own parents here at school, but um, we get blamed a lot for like what homeschooling looks like. I am sorry, I really get it, <laughs> but it's, that's not on us. Like, it's just the way it is, it's just unfortunate. It's not, you have a bad teacher for your child. It's, this is not what they were trained to do. You know? uh, yeah, I think that's huge. But at the same time, people are protesting in front of hospitals. So I have, I've, unfortunately, sickening? Oh my I have uh, lost my faith in certain segments of the population. Um, and I can't imagine. Anyone who would protest at a hospital. I can't even. It, it, I can't. You can't comprehend it. But no. when you see that, you're like, like if, if they're bold enough to do that in public on the news, imagine what they're doing to whether it's teachers or whether it's, right. you know, daycare providers or the customer 100%. service person at the grocery store. Um, you know, it, it's it's so difficult. And even I mean, you don't have to answer or offer, offer comment, but just okay. knowing the parents and of seeing things that I've seen posted in, in mom Facebook groups that have gone viral. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, parents aren't always the nicest or uh, well-balanced right. people sometimes. And when right, it comes right. to their own children and being involved in their child's life, yeah, uh, right. Everyone has a different view of parenting and we're not supposed to For criticize sure. that, but you For certainly sure. can criticize the teacher apparently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I just, I couldn't imagine. I just, I, that's yeah. why I'm always thankful what teachers do because I could never, I could, I couldn't deal with that stress of people oh. constantly criticizing it that it, it, it really hurts, but I will say, I totally get it because, um, when, when it comes to your child, mm -hmm. nobody's rational. And I do believe I certainly am not rational as a parent. And, and I do believe that everybody is doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. And if they're blowing up, that's all they've got right now. Like I do, I do, um, I don't hold it against anybody. I, I would I would really struggle with a teacher um, attacking a teacher under this circumstance. Like, and again, I'm a teacher and a parent, but you wear both hats all the time, right? And um, uh, my guy, uh, my, my youngest is in a special needs class. He, he had to do a lot of learning from home that was really challenging for him. And um, I have, you know, it, it is not the program I wanted for my kid. It is not what he needs for sure. I cannot speak highly enough about the people that taught him because they did cartwheels just to get those kids through the day. It didn't look like the program we all wanted. Did not look like what we were hoping for. My, my kids should be doing work skills and you know, they did the best they could, but I'll tell you, I wouldn't say a bad word about them because I know that a hundred, they did 150% of what their job should have been you know, and, and if they were at school doing the things they wanted to be doing, which would have benefited my child, their job would have been easier. You know, it is so hard to just tap dance in front of a screen for five hours a day. Um, and that's what it ends up being, right? It ends up being um, 
how can I get these kids through this day somehow, somehow? Oh my goodness. I, I, I am so impressed with the teachers, but I have to say that, um, like we were discussing earlier, the boundaries are very blurred right now. Right. Mm. So I'm, I'm in my house. Kids are looking at my spare room, mess or no mess, you know, their house is exposed to me. Their family dynamic is exposed to me. And, um, that also creates, oh, okay. So it's okay to send somebody an email at night and expect an answer right away. It is okay to, you know, the boundaries become, Mm -hmm. and of course, Mm -hmm. They're blurred for me too, because I want everything to go well. I want to fix everything, but it, it, it just wears you down. <laughs> it, there's no, there's no time when you're not working. Cause what else is there? Right. It's not like we're going out in the evening and socializing. So you get these emails from parents who are having a tough go and you're communicating. And meanwhile, your own kid is like, I haven't seen you all day, you know? So um, I had the experience in January of like, being with my class and having my dog like join the and show oh my dog came and sat with us today let's look at the dog and have a great time and the camera goes off and my dog has to go to the hospital and dies right and then i have to come back and be <laughs> and i'm supposed to teach for the afternoon right and you're like um guys i won't be able to be on you don't want to you know right but you can't exactly find a supply teacher or whatever but you've got to take your dog in and and like the boundaries are very, very, very paper thin, paper thin at this time, right? And so they see a lot of who you are, but that's not a terrible thing either, right? It's not a terrible thing to be human and the kids are human and parents are human. Um, I don't want to be attacked. I don't want to, I don't want it to be a personal attack on me, but, um, but when people lose it a little bit right now, I totally get it. Like I totally get, we're dealing with so many pressures from so many different directions. So for someone to be trying to support their kid in front of this device and make that work and, and them to be having a tough go and demonstrate it in front of me, I've got nothing but a hundred percent empathy for them because I'm right there with them. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going through the same thing. So yeah. it's, it's, which is not the same as saying it doesn't hurt right? Like you deal with a lot of um, emotions uh, from parents and families. And uh, sometimes they're directed at you and you can't, it's not like it rolls off you. You can totally understand where it comes from, but uh, it can be really, really hurtful. Um, again, I've, had, I've been really lucky this past year or two. My parents have been really supportive and lovely. There are moments, mm-hmm. <laughs> there are moments and my feelings get hurt, but hurt feelings isn't, isn't the same as, you know, mental health. It's when it's over and over and over and it wears you down that you have right. no resource to draw on. Right? right. So I think we have to take from this pandemic, we've got to be a lot more understanding that everybody, everybody's going through something and don't assume someone has negative intentions they're going through something communicate try to get to what the actual issue is and deal with that instead of being personal but we've all got to be a little kinder Mm -hmm. yeah that's a wonderful perspective and it's something since i became more like involved in mental health whenever i see someone lashing out especially on social media i'm like okay like where are they at like that's the first thing i think about like if Mm -hmm. you're doing something that is a you know not, I'll just say not nice. I'm like, okay, like what, there's something probably there. There's probably something yeah. going on. Nobody wants something to. has happened in the yeah. past that's led them. Agreed. Agreed. Um, w- one of the 
strangest things of this whole pandemic for me, the, the most confusing thing I try to follow along is the debate around schools and being open. On one hand, you have a lot of people who are saying you need to close schools. And this is more so happening last in the spring um, when we were kind of going through the third wave. We'll see what happens this wave. But you have the people that say that it's going to drive more cases. Um, And then on the other hand, you have, you know, people saying schools are not a primary uh, driver of cases. They're safe. Kids need to be in school. Uh, you know, so it's very complicated for somebody who doesn't understand really the medical side of it and the importance of kids being in school. I would lean on the side of kids need to be in school. That's my personal yeah. opinion. Yeah. Where do teachers fall? Because that is a very complicated and sticky situation. You have a lot of strong opinions kind of on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I doubt I speak for all teachers. Like, of course, I, I'd be very, <laughs> I'd be very concerned because I think we all have different worries and we come from different places. I'm, uh, I'm coming from a house where everybody's been vaccinated twice. So I feel good and safe at home. And I will say that in my very biased opinion, that I think it is great to have the kids at school because I actually think there's less contact when they're here. I think we're, depending on the school setting, and I'm in a really little school, so we're able to distance a lot. Um, We only let two classes in the yard at a time, and we don't let them in the same part of the yard. So we have, and we're vigilant. Like, we're vigilant about uh, masking, about hand washing, about sanitizing, like, really, really over-the-top vigilant. And that makes me feel really confident. Um, I feel like when we had, like, a break, kids were all visiting and playing and whatever and there wasn't because because people are at home and it's safer you feel safe at home that the vigilance is not exactly the same and I'll, I know for myself I know that what I allow my own child to do are in and around my home is very different than what my students do at school because there are 23 of them in here right so I'm very very hesitant to take risks plus they're they're not mine and I will mm. I will not have someone put their child in my care and send them back less than I receive them, right? Like, I just can't do that. Not to say I take risks with my own kids, because that's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but, uh, but they're older, and they're, and, and they're really careful, my kids. But I, I'm sure that when these guys are not at school, there are people who are really comfortable with sleepovers with friends and uh, groups of kids, big groups of kids playing together. And I know all these folks aren't vaccinated. My kids are vaccinated. So I I have different feelings, still not doing sleepovers, but you know, um, I think when they're here, there's so many adults taking such good care of their health and um, at home, you can't always get away with it as much as we can at school at school, the rules are the rules at home tougher, tougher to mandate that you can't play with your friends or do certain things. And, and certainly nobody's sanitizing Lego or, um, you know, quarantining books the way we do at school, right? All these like over the top safety protocols. I, I think they're super safe, but um, that's on us. Like as long as we're all following the rules and being vigilant. Um, I don't know somebody else might feel differently because like, I don't love that they all eat with their masks off together. Like I don't, I don't love that idea for them. I wish there was a safer way for them to eat. Uh, if truly, if we wanted to have a truly safe classroom, my classroom would not have this many kids in it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that is, if I had 16 kids, they, they'd be safe as houses. This would be a, this would be a great setting for them. Um, 
class sizes aren't capped. It's not, no change has been made throughout this whole. Yeah. So, so that is a huge, huge issue. Besides which 16 kids in a room, you should see what I'd be able to do with these kids, right? Financially, that's terribly expensive. That would benefit so much. Like that would be the answer. So I feel great about coming back to school is the short answer. There are issues. Mm. And again, it falls on us to be the, <laughs> it's funny, the rules we've created to keep kids safe aren't necessarily mandated to us, right? Mm. So like, I understand kids are allowed to be outside without masks on. Um, I know how my students play outside. Um, they, they will be within each other's space. So they're going to have masks on unless they're far apart. And, and we'll make that humane. Like I'm not looking to make anyone uncomfortable, but we have to keep them safe. Like we really, we don't want this to, to change again. Like we cannot, cannot go back home again. Yeah. I think I'm with everybody. Like we cannot go back home again. I'd rather they wear a mask outside to play or kept their distance. But I know that's, that might be the most controversial statement I've made. <laughs> uh, well, you, no, I'm glad we live in a country that the mask debate isn't as, as much as an issue as you see of what's happening in Florida, Texas, you know, some of those Southern states where they're actively fighting teacher and school boards on mask mandates, the government, and you're seeing kids get sick and you're seeing yeah. record levels and, and kids die. And it's just, I'm happy we have our issues in Canada. We certainly do. But yeah. I am very happy we live in a country where those issues, at least comparatively, are comparatively. far, far less. And that yeah, most so. people just like okay. understand, like, we don't love it, but I, mean, no. I don't love wearing a mask to no. the gym, but none I wear us, one. None of us love it. None of yeah. us love it, but we love these kids and exactly. every one of their parents love them and they don't want them sick. So I think... I think I'll be forgiven for erring on the side of caution, you know, as opposed to the other way, right? Like, I think people will understand that I do it out of a lot of love. Like, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not as, it's certainly not punitive. It's not, nobody wants it, right? But it is, I'll do what I have to do for my kids. Yeah. I think it's so yeah. important that we keep them in school as much as possible, have 100%. sports, uh, yes. try to do community activities safely. I mean, yes. You ask anybody working at Chio. I mean, teachers all know it's not a secret. Parents like the the spike in in mental health issues and and depression and anxiety in kids yeah. is just skyrocketed. And who knows? Yeah. We won't we won't know for years how what that long lasting impact is going to be on them. But for right. them to not see their friends at school, to for them to not play hockey or basketball or ballet or soccer whatever it is right. to not right. see your friends on the weekend like like and I couldn't imagine also, being a kid and trying to deal with that no no I can't either it must be terrible but also also I'll say structure right um my mental health benefits when I know what my day looks like Same. when I know what to expect yeah. when I'm not in a constant state of arousal because of surprise or fear like I'm not in that heightened state and I think that when you come to school and you know what's going to come up next and you know what time of day you're eating and all that sort of thing even though it sounds regimented it it gives you a safety and, and you know someone's managing everybody's behavior around you and everything I think that's a huge safety net that hasn't been happening we have to assume too, in some people's homes, kids aren't as safe as school. Like I'm not saying, I'm not saying anyone specifically, but I'm sure there are families where it is less safe for a kid to be at home. 
And um, yeah, I want those I want those kids in the building so they they get that structure and that safety. I mean, I think about um, people trying to to balance work, and it's very tough. I'll say as a parent, very tough not to be a neglectful mm. person uh, for that little person while you're trying to earn a living because you shouldn't have to do both at the same time. Yeah. And uh, I think the the security of one person and this is when math happens and this is when language happens is actually very beneficial for a lot of folks, especially kids on the spectrum, kids with attention issues, all those things. That's a wonderful thing to know what's coming next and, and losing that, which we all lose it at home. I mean, definitely my home is not structured the way my classroom is. Mm -hmm. That's really not sustainable for a kid. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. and I'm the same way. Like if my day is not structured and it becomes chaotic or something throws me off, like, it's like, okay, wait, whoa, what is happening? It's, yes. it's, it becomes a mess. And that's like the beginning of the pandemic for me was a mess and my mental health deteriorated so much just because, you know, I couldn't go to the gym anymore. I wasn't waking up and going to work. You know, yes. my day all shifted because my tasks have changed. Like it was just Meal, sleep, all yeah, of that stuff chaotic that going is all thrown off. Yeah. A hundred percent. It was hard for all of us. I, I agree. It, me not going to work after that March break breather. And in fact, spending that March break breather working both those things. Like I, I, I hit the ground already elevated. Right. It was, mm -hmm. it was, that was a huge struggle. That must've been a terrible time for a lot of people. I think the beginning and then also the bit where you realized it wasn't just going right. away. But if you knew when, you could manage it, but there's no when, right? That's very hard. Yeah, like when like, back to normal. We're all like, oh, two week vacation, working from home. This is going to be great. You know, yeah. like all of a nope. sudden here we are still like, what? A I know. Like a fourth wave, a fifth I, wave? Oh, I know. Like, I, I know. Um, I remember watching the numbers, like watching the numbers on my phone those first couple of weeks, like morning, almost yeah. hourly checking and seeing the cases. And I think about that now and I think how terribly, terribly unhealthy that was. But it was just because I wanted some sense of control mm -hmm. and there was no control, right? So uh, we all did very unhealthy things. If we had this pandemic to do over, <laughs> we would. If only we knew. <laughs> Not that we want that. We would do it so much better. Yeah, but it's. <laughs> I, I think that's, you know, going to say that we all handled it the best we could in the moment, just taking what you kind that's of said right. before, right? Like where we were at, like none of us knew what was happening, what we were to expect, like how to react, how to feel, what were we supposed to feel? Anger, fear, sad, like I, I didn't know. And, yeah. you know, here we are 18 months later, we're like, oh, look at that, like 700 cases, not bad, Ontario, like we're doing all right. Um, but I, I did want to touch on the teachers and mental health before I let you go, sure, because sure. I think that's super important. That story has not been told. And we've heard from nurses and we've heard from, you know, doctors, healthcare professionals, other frontline workers, but, and we've heard about the kids and the parents, like I referenced off the top, but mm -hmm, teachers mm -hmm. and mental health. And you kind of talked yep. about your own struggles yep. a little bit too. Yep. You know, it's an exciting time right now. Schools are back open. We're hoping they're going to stay open, start of a new school year, new kids, yep. all that. So yep. I'm sure right now there's a, some optimism and some excitement and some happiness, yep. but I mean, if you were to give me kind of like a, on a scale of one to 10 on, on your colleagues and people you've just talked to in, in whatever circle you're in or from what you've heard, I mean, how, how has it been leading up to this point? And then what are, what do you expect in, in terms of, you know, 
the, the profession and the mental health of you and your colleagues? Well, I don't know anybody who didn't have a tough time. Yeah. I don't know anybody in teaching, especially that didn't have a tough time. Um, I would say that if you worked from home the whole time, uh, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine the, the folks that I know that I'm friends with who did online teaching throughout, um, it was so hard, so hard for them. Um, we don't go into teaching because we like being alone. You know, you're not going to meet a ton of teachers who just want to be all by themselves. We are, we are people who value connection deeply. And that's why we want a job where we're forced to be with people who do not respect boundaries all day long. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, you know, and I say that jokingly, but you know, kids, that's, Mm -hmm. so we, we're people who love being connected. And so we were immediately ripped apart from our our safety nets, right? Like all the people that you check in with, you know, at the best of times, I'm an anxious girl. And I have people I check in with when I come to work, and it helps me start the day in a positive mental framework. And I love my colleagues, I love the people I work with. And uh, that's all gone. It's all gone. And we don't have time for it. Like we're, we're scrambling to program, there is no like, let's hang out or whatever. So um, I know that during the pandemic, Uh, like I can think of two colleagues who like really reached out to me and helped me a ton. One uh, works next door to me and we started having weekly dance parties so that we would, we would just turn on our screen before class on Friday, play something like beastie boys or something and like jump around in front of our cameras, like idiots. And then you felt like Mm -hmm. that rush and ready to take on the rest of your day. And, um, and when we are at school, she made a schedule of when we were both free so that we could take our little lawn chairs and blankets outside, even in the winter, to eat. Because we have nowhere safe to eat, right? Like, we have nowhere to go. We're not allowed to have our masks off with children in, in the room at all. And the staff room only seats, like, three people, I think. So so there's a lot of t- teachers eating in their cars, right? Like, that's what our day looks like, which is mm. so, so fabulous. Mm-hmm. So we'd sit outside on lawn chairs with blankets over us with snow falling. And it was like the best 10 minutes of your day. Like as long as you could keep your fingers from freezing. Right. And I'll tell you, I value that so much, that little bit of connection that I got to have. Cause normally we are having treats in the staff room and we're celebrating together and we're visiting and we're dancing in the hallways. And we're doing all kinds of silly stuff. None of that could happen this year. Right. So when you have that little bit of connection, I had another friend who's like a Twitter friend, who is a, is a teaching colleague who just checked in with me regularly and just said, how are you doing? And sometimes I would say, not great, not great. And we talk about it. And uh, it meant the world to me, like the world that somebody even would ask and wouldn't say, well, you know, you could fix it. That would just say, yeah, it's tough. It's tough right now. Right. And have a little cry or whatever. And then off you go and you do your job. And those little connections have been, incredibly important because yeah uh, we're we're people who connect that's what we do and when you lose that it's like a whole piece of you is missing so when you see teachers returning to school right now we're ecstatic we're ecstatic that we're actually allowed in the same building um we're ecstatic that our kids are going to be in our rooms we're terribly terribly fearful like Mm. i don't know anybody in the under 12 teaching area who isn't terribly fearful that we're not going to be able to continue this when kids get sick because yeah all these little friends are not vaccinated right so and we don't know when they will be or if they will be 
So it's, it's a bit terrifying, but we're just gonna, you know, I am the queen of Egypt right now. I'm living in denial. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just rolling along. I want to, I'm going to suck every bit of joy out of this until it changes. Um, so is that mentally healthy? We're going to go with, yeah, that's very healthy. That's as good as it's going to get right now. But again, seeking out those special people that keep you putting one foot in front of the other is the way that I've actually managed to show up for my kids this year. So I'm, uh, I'm very grateful. I have very special people in my life. Yeah. It's one of those things, especially when you're dealing in a profession like yours, where there's so much variables and unknown used back to using the math equation. There, some variables. <laughs> Look at you. Um, mathematics, yeah, man. I love it. Um, but to, <laughs> to try to plan any sort of long-term planned it's like a almost impossible like it's just day by day okay where are we at and it's it's so unpredictable how delta is going to impact you know the next couple months you know you you've seen the modeling yeah we yeah whatever variant comes right but we've seen the modeling it doesn't look good but you know it's just it who knows like what and it you can't plan for it it's just no You have to be hopeful though, right? You have to be hopeful. You have to say some things have happened. We know more. We have a vaccine. You know, there are lots of positives coming along and I'm just going to be really, really hopeful. Um, But yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, but also can I say though, that when you talk about like short-term planning instead of long-term planning, I do think that's a beautiful thing too. I do think there is something really powerful, especially in education where the job changes on a daily basis. And there's something very powerful about, let's not map out a whole year in advance and pretend we know the trajectory of where our kids are going either. So I do think there's something also to be learned from the short-term thing, right? Like, and, and also don't leave all the good stuff until later because you might not get a later, right? Like you've got to, gotta grab moments march 13th the day that we were not coming back to school after like we had our last big snack this sounds really funny but we had snack in the staff room on fridays and we had it was saint patrick's and i was one of those we had a full staff of treats that we got to have together and it was my husband's birthday and we went out to dinner with another couple that night and and as we're having dinner like we're joking about not hugging each other and that and we're giggling and it's kind of like being on the titanic you're kind of and you know it's the titanic like you're kind of wondering like what's going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And it really made me think like every time I go to plan something special and then it doesn't work out, I've started like doing it that day. I've started just, you know what, you know, you've got this moment, go take advantage immediately because you don't know what's coming. And I think that is another great gift. I'm not saying the pandemic's a gift altogether, but, but you've got to, there are some learning happening here that we have to uh, embrace. And I think one of them is, like enjoy the short term. Not everything is long term, mm-hmm. and especially children are not long term. Children are—you could have a completely different child in your classroom by the end of the year. So this idea of mapping out the whole year in advance and everything is overrated anyway. I think you just gotta let them arrive as they arrive and change the plan on a day-to-day basis and be a bit more fluid in general. Because if if anything, you know, we now recognize you can't you can't say A equals B like it doesn't just mm-hmm. follow it things go sideways and you got to be ready for it. There's been so many lessons for me. Uh, One being able to be by myself and learn to, you know, learn to not 
look for things in other people to to fulfill that need right like it's it's being able to be alone um because i'm alone almost all the time now especially when we are in lockdown yeah Um, that's a big one but the same thing where it's like if i want to do something i'm not going to be waiting anymore like right like who knows when things will change and you get that way i mean people who have near-death experiences experience the same or have a major kind of loss in their life you know, this, this feeling of not wanting to regret not doing it because, and then something happening down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's opened up for a lot of people. And then I think a lot of people also kind of questioned a lot of things. It's like, okay, like, is this what I want to do now? Like you were, you were able to stop for a moment and reflect on where you are. And it's like, whether it's your career or I mean, unfortunately relationships and, and marriages, Sure. Uh, all sorts of different things, hobbies, like everyone was able for a moment to just be like, is this, is this what I want to do? Is this me? Is this who I am? And you're right. Like the pandemic has not been a blessing, but there's been moments we've been forced to deal with. I think in a lot mm-hmm. of people in a lot of different ways that we're going to walk away from it, learning a lot about who we are as individuals, which I think is a good thing moving yes. forward. It's just unfortunate. Yeah. It had yeah. to be this that taught us. Yeah, you don't want to sleepwalk through life. And I do yeah. think you need a bit of a kick sometimes. Yeah, I don't want this many kicks ever yeah, again. Exactly. But this has been a lot. But uh, but I agree. And I do think that even when you talk about hobbies or that, um, hobby is, is a, a word that sounds like it's a really small thing. But, but finding things that give you joy should be what it's all about, right? It should be the whole reason why we're doing We're not going to work to get a paycheck, to get up the next day, to go to work, to get a mm-hmm. paycheck. We should be finding things that give us joy. I'm very lucky. I'll tell you, I realized even at home, even in front of a Chromebook, even there's nothing else I want to do. This is like mm-hmm. what I want to do. Like I'm, I'm really, really happy at least that even on the worst possible day in the worst possible way, I'm in the right job. You know, that's a great gift. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. I don't wish this again on anyone. <laughs> this is it's pretty miserable, but, uh, but there's been good. There's been good as yeah. well. I mean, my son should have gone to university in person a year ago. He did it from his room. Uh, he's in residence now. I'm missing him so much, but I had like a year of like, <sighs> I got all that extra time with my kids. So, you know, there's, there's good in everything. Yeah. This will be the final question, but to go off that point, cause I kind of had this thought while I was listening to that podcast I referenced is mm. looking ahead for the kids. And we've talked about learning loss and maybe some delays and in, in certain things. Maybe that was the term actually learning delay. Anyway. Okay. Um, I was like, you know, going back to like, I never had to do it, but like grade 13, like, will people need an extra year to calibrate, to be ready for college or university? Or will we all be able to make that adjustment? Will it be different? I'm kind of wondering, you you know, in your expertise, what do you think the, will there be long-term consequences? I know we've talked a lot about short-term and that meeting people where they're at and that's all great. But when we talk Mm -hmm. about the timeline of 18 and then you need to I mean based on society not based on my belief but yeah 18 you're an adult you need to decide what you're going to do the rest of your life and then right like that's how we're built do you think there's going to be you know delay blockages uh in terms of what has happened here now with kids and looking ahead god hoping we're out of covid by then yeah yeah. 5 10 15 20 years 
Yeah. So I think, I, I do think you can't dismiss meet people where they're at. Cause I think that is, that's a hundred percent there. There are institutions and there are people, one of them matter, right? The institutions exist to serve people. So if an institution feels that this is what you need to accomplish to, to be enter their institution, they're doing their job wrong. Right. So, so I think we're all going to have to slide our expectations to meet where, where people are going to be at, you know, and if, if students are still going to graduate at the end of grade 12 and they're going to be um, the same age they were, and they're going to go to the university, then university is going to slide that transition and think mm. about ways to make sure that those kids who perhaps have a skill or two they feel are important for success in their institution, they're going to have to teach it there. There's nothing that says that university students are entering fully formed. Believe me, they're not. They're, <laughs> no, I certainly wasn't. And, and I also think too that um, all, again, I think these benchmarks that we've created, we have to be very careful in examining and really questioning, is this actually what matters? Is this actually, is, is a student writing um, a detailed essay at a certain point in their academic career really all that important? A am I a successful adult if I don't write a five paragraph essay? You know, am, are you a successful adult if you don't necessarily use sine and cosine appropriately. Um, I, I believe that that you can have gaps all over the place and still be a very whole and a very valid, uh, capable human being. Um, I think that we have to remember we created this education system long before now, and it hasn't changed that much. We created a system to allow people to enter factories and to enter companies where they sat in cubicles and did certain jobs. And that's not my dream for my kids here. My dream for my kids here is that they're going to go out and be all sorts of interesting problem solvers in the world. And they're going to make the world a better place for the rest of us. Um, and they'll do that, not because they can write a five paragraph essay or they understand, you know, a certain higher level of mathematics. They do it because we teach them how to solve problems and be resilient and, and work well with other people and communicate well. And you can do that in all sorts of ways, in all sorts of settings, and it may not be socially ideal, it may not be emotionally or um, mentally ideal, but they're still, they're still, oh my goodness, these kids will have barrels of reserve that we didn't have because they've been through this and survived and recognize mm -hmm. themselves as capable. We were at a point where kids, we were starting to worry that kids didn't have a lot of perseverance or resilience because we're all and again, I'm speaking as the we, I'm part of it, helicopter parents kind mm -hmm. of fixing things for people. Well, this situation is one where they had to take care of themselves in a very different way. I think that I, I have great, great feelings about this group of people, and I don't think they're lacking anything. I think that there may be some arbitrary skills that have not necessarily been taught, and I think they're going to be just fine. I love that. And I think, I know, based on this hour conversation that we've had here, hour and a bit, your students are super lucky to have you. I would love Aww. to have you as a teacher. Uh, I love your <laughs> philosophies and, and your thoughts. And I just thank you so much for, for coming on and just chatting about this. Uh, I think it's an important subject. We're in that time of year. I'm glad I could learn a little bit more and, and just hear some thoughts from the ground floor. So thank you. Awesome. This is delightful. Thank you very much. No problem. Best of luck for this school year. And I'm... And fingers crossed, whatever, believe, pray to who you believe in. 
that this all goes well because of God, we all need it. Yeah, it's going to be fine. It, it, it's it's going to be what it is, but it's going to be fine. Excellent. Thank you again. Thank you. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.